Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Bottom, the second to last one of this year. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the defender of artists, right? Paul, hey everybody, how's it going? I'm doing good, Paul. I just can't wait to like elaborate more on that one a little later, but Paul, how are you feeling now that we're like only two episodes left for this year, for 2022? I, I'm in disbelief, shock, and a little bit of pride because we we think we did the numbers. We're going to have 82 episodes. Total um, of the show we've done. Total, and then 50 actual episodes uh you said i think mm -hmm. right yeah. yeah based on like how i'm numbering them i think it's gonna be 49 or 50. so i hope it's 50 so you can have like a nice so, even yeah gosh it's it's i can't believe it but it's been awesome we uh it's been what a year i can't wait for next week because i want to do like a look back at some of the bigger moments of this year not game of the year that's going to be until uh next year when we come back when we talk about right. that gosh that's going to be a wild yeah. yeah just trying to remember uh, a bunch of stuff that happened you're, you're gonna be like blown away mm -hmm. it was like oh god that was this year a lot so, of stuff happened this year and boy is it exhausting oh yes but pretty soon we're gonna be able to rest a little bit kind of like shake off a little bit of the cobwebs and just enjoy some relaxing holiday time i'll be traveling like on the 23rd into the united states that's gonna be nice because yeah. i haven't been in the u.s since i went to get my shot back in like early in the show run yeah that was uh the start of the of may year? 2021 uh, the last year okay yeah yeah so it, it was, was like, like around was the a fourth, while ago that was like we did three episodes and then the fourth episode i was traveling so yeah i did like a month's worth of episodes while not with my setup so that was fun but uh i can't wait to just travel and not have to worry about anything but before we continue with that, it is just a reminder that this is the X-Bottom Podcast, our gaming podcast that posts every Thursdays from 2pm onwards, God willing, available on the YouTube channel Escape Gaming, as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape gaming. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. And I want to do just a couple plugs here. Uh, over at Season Gaming, you can see my review for Evil West. You can see my ranking of the definitive assassin. You can is the definitive Assassin's Creed ranking that's kind of sort of based on the episode that we did. Uh, We've already here. made changes to it in yes. several places. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, over at my own blog, thecriticalcorner.com, my God of War Ragnarok review that was long overdue is finally written and done. And I'm going to be finishing up a Callisto Protocol review there because uh, my editor-in-chief over at Season Gaming wrote the Callisto Protocol review, but I wanted to do it on my own because I had some thoughts. So, and I did a guest spot for the single player podcast uh, with a guy named Sebastian Malden, really great guy that he invited me on the show after he found my Evil West review. He DM'd me and he was like, do you want to be part of a guest in my show? I was like, heck yeah. So he might post that the week after this episode goes live. So whenever he does, I'm going to link it in the description below. Paul, you have an announcement of something you acquire for your birthday. Happy birthday, 30 year old man. And yes. it was a Series S. I would be showing you the console, but I don't want to rip it out of my wall right now to get yeah. that uh, in front of everyone. But yes, finally got a Series S. It was on sale. I um, was on my way back from my anniversary trip and I um, ordered it there, picked it up from like a store on the way back. Mm -hmm. and from a Target. I told you to go Target. to that Target. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, you did, because I was really worried after finding out that the sales that I was trying to get were yeah. not accurate. Yeah, that stupid Instagram sale that was like, if you buy it through here, you can get it for $199.99. That's the one that I showed you. I was like, yeah. man, and I can't think of a better deal. Like, 
it's Guys, gone. it's not working. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad that I did that instead of just biting the bullet there, because um, mm -hmm. that would have sucked. Anyway, so I played like a whole bunch of new games thanks to this one up here. Yes, now real quick, before you get into the games that obviously you tried over on the Series S, what yeah. do you think of that console? Um, uh, well, it's it's way smaller, so I love that, just mm -hmm. physically wise. Looks great. Uh, it's super silent, and it does everything that I needed to do for such a good price. Excuse me, mm -hmm. and um, it just everything looks and feels great when I'm playing it, and I could not ask for a better process. Yeah, and in your case, uh, you have a great TV, but the majority of time you play with a monitor that tops at 1080p. Correct. Even so though the Series S, even yeah, even even though the Series S can output at 4K, the games only can render up to 1440p, and most of the time they don't even do that. They cap at like 1080p, like a Xbox One S back in the Especially day, but with better if you performance. Want to do 60 frames per second, anyway. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh. So, for if we, in your case, like you don't need anything else. Like you play at the right resolution for that, and you get to experience the the beauty that is FPS boost in the games yes. that have it. And man, I'll, I'll mention it briefly in some of these specific games, but that FPS boost, I kind of, I discounted it for a bit, but to see some of these favorites of Old my games. life in the uh, the 2000s and the 2010s coming back in such crisp looks made me feel something. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I'm so looking forward to diving further and further into the rabbit hole that is Game Pass now mm -hmm. uh because you're welcome as we've talked about a pc it really sucks if you don't have everything perfect at all times mm -hmm. and even if like you have a driver that's out of date or something it just really ruins your experience yeah like what happened with uh what's it forza horizon 5 forza horizon 5 yeah. um i actually downloaded that on here to play it and um I had such a good time because everything worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to have the world disappearing in front of me. And exactly. And, that, and that's the thing why I always say that why a console gaming would always be great, even with people saying that PC is like the bad, the battery best way to play. It's like, yes, if you're willing to like always keep up with it with driver downloading and keeping like upgrading your graphics card, if you want to be like top of the line, me, I'm just lazy. We're just lazy gamers. We have a lot of little time in our hands sometimes. The only thing that we want is just to sit down, grab a controller, turn on, play. And the series says lose everything so quick also. And the mini games that you can have going at the same time. Yeah, because yeah. I, can, um, I can turn it back on and just even a game that I was already playing, I played a different game because the PS5 doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. It closes your previous game. But this one, you could just kind of restart wherever you were and uh yeah so i just wasn't expecting that it's just been a pleasant experience overall anyway yeah. so um, some of the games you play there yeah so of course getting a few of the actual things out of the way i, I am still playing dragon quest 11 still mm -hmm. on the ps5 just enjoying the crap out of that it's uh just really surprising i have to eat crow on some mm -hmm. of the things i've said about the series in the past and to be fair only you do that because we had our friend pj he likes yeah. to overpraise so many things that it end up being just okay for some of us so yeah. you always had that apprehension because you know that your taste is completely separate from him. This is the one right. time it wasn't. And uh, I have to give it props to that, but I will never admit it to him. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, uh, I'll actually jump back into those things with Game Pass and then touch on the things that we played together afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, Tunic. I I finally played our, our favorite little Legend of Zelda, but not really with a fox. game with a fox. And uh, that's just such a charming time, to be sure. Um, 
I, I did get into a few negatives. I spoke a little too soon to That's you. All, yeah. I was like, I'm so glad this game isn't hard. That would be really sucky because yeah. I've noticed this trend where people use the nostalgia bait of this is a game that just like that one you played back in the day, but they make it stupidly difficult with no ability to change that. And I got a little too excited. And I said that last time we were speaking. When you texted me that, because Tunic was one of the first things I tried on the series back then, but just briefly when that happened, I was like, ooh. When you said that, I was like, it I makes can't me wait. a little legitimately upset that that's the case because it is so unforgiving now mm -hmm. that um, I can't even run back. Because I don't know if there's like a fast travel system at all in that game. I but don't as remember. of right now, <laughs> All you can do is do like the bonfire thing and you have to run all the way back to the other side of the map if you think you can find something else. I'm at a point where it's either the boss is in front of me or I have to backtrack through a million freaking enemies to get to the next fire. And I made one attempt to try to backtrack to find more items and I died in the process and I was like, I'm just going to go play something else for a minute because I'm too heated. But when the game hits, Boy, does it hit, because for anybody who doesn't understand, the whole idea is you wake up, there's no dialogue in the slightest, everything is in this weird alien language, and the process of the game is slowly translating a Game Boy Advance style instruction booklet and finding pages of it that give you the actual like special moves, explanations for things, and the map itself as you play and it is just complete diegetic learning on your part to be like oh that's what that means that means i could do this over here and do mm -hmm. that thing and it just completely changes the way you play the game and even just that explanation does not do it justice just like watch the first 10 15 minutes of it through like a silent playthrough and you'll get all that you really need to understand for that game it rewards such creative use of your movement and items and everything and it's just it's so charming i love the music i love the sense of adventure so um how about somerville that is the the other one that i kind of put in i played about an hour or so of it made by the same people that did limbo and um inside as we both previously talked about this is um a uh, local man faces off against uh, aliens war of the world style, but it's very, um, I try to explain it. It's like, basically if you've played inside, it's that exact kind of style, except it's more isometric rather than 2d. And um, I, I find that it's not hitting mm -hmm. as much as inside was inside was very simple and like, you kind of understood exactly what you needed to do from the start. This one kind of adds a few levels mm -hmm. on top of it. Yeah, I know that I haven't played it, but I've been following the discourse around this because there was a lot of excitement knowing that a guy that worked on the inside worked in this. And yep. now that everyone's played it, it's like, who was the guy from inside that worked on this? <laughs> so like, you know, like, was he the one in charge of what made inside such a great game? Or was he one of the okay. lesser guys? So it wasn't even like the same team. Uh -huh, no. Okay, because uh, that's that's what I heard leading up to this, which made me like, okay, I get it. And then I started playing it and it was like, it looks like it, but it does not play like it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's confusing sometimes. The controls are a little unclear on what you can interact with sometimes. Um, but like, to be sure, it's, it's a really powerful, silent story. 
with like of course zero dialogue a lot of environmental stuff a lot of just silent moments between characters like really hitting because it mm -hmm. starts off with a young family with a young child and a dog and certain things happen that you're separated from them and they believe you're dead essentially um and just like that moment between some of them kind of like actually moved me a little bit and then from there i just kind of got frustrated and want to play something else but i i'm gonna keep powering through and finishing it off because it's a really short game uh after that i guess i'll go ahead and say assassin's creed rogue is the next thing that i started yeah, not on game pass you played it because not i let you pass. borrow my account yes and um i i think i was too harsh on the concept of rogue because i really never sat down and played it mm -hmm. realizing that it is literally just black flag like i know we talked about like oh yeah you got the ship but to feel that again with mm -hmm. the fps boost with everything looking great like way better than assassin's creed 3 remake mm -hmm. or remaster excuse me yeah told um, you it's it's night and day that assassin's creed 3 looks and feels like crap compared to this because this feels i'll say this though uh because you have it there try the remaster on xbox series s just try it yeah i might try it just to kind of start it out and get a feel for that theater mission mm -hmm. at least um because i think that's where it starts off yeah it starts with the theater and then you go to the boat before going yeah. to america mm -hmm. um so I, I might if i have some extra time one day and just like oh, let me see how it compares because i have a feeling that it's probably the ps4 or 5 version just freaking out like it usually is yeah it's like i told you, like the, the ps5 version has broken hdr even if you like even if you have a hdr enabled on even without a monitor that supports it it washes out the image like severely in a way that you have to like either turn it off completely from that version that it's not a problem on the xbox version but continue with row yeah um and which actually to your point on one thing i want to test out how hdr is handled with this xbox series s mm -hmm. because i have a theory that it's actually been my ps5 causing that grayness this whole time um because i put it onto the game mode for uh somerville and I did not have that issue. Mm -hmm. Then it's probably your PS5 um, being a problem. It's my PS5 just freaking ruining the HDR for my my whole TV. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, so Rogue is just, it feels great. It kind of jumps you straight into it because it realizes it doesn't have the um, mm -hmm. the luxury of wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And they probably also learned from three. And so they just kind of like, hey, you're an awesome assassin. Here's all your like favorite dudes. Ottawale's back. Mm -hmm. You got- Like um, an actual old assassin, like a- Yeah, it's like as an actual, like you said, old assassin. And um, you got- uh, Achilles. Uh, Achilles, thank you. Almost in his prime. <laughs> um, leading the entire assassins group. All the side characters are super cool with the uh, the Native American assassin, mm -hmm. the woman assassin with like the cool dress that's not really a dress, mm -hmm. and like that's just such a cool dynamic between all of these characters. And then I was like, man, this would be awesome if I could have seen any of these people in three. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just it's i'm enjoying the crap out of it the naval combat is just like black flag which is just mm, yes yeah. um and i haven't played too much after that point so that was like i played a little bit of that last night and then i went oh shoot i'm actually enjoying myself yeah it's absolutely black flag 1.5 and when we did our rank definitive ranking episode i was like we put it last and i massively regret it because i yeah. also played it a little bit uh also on xbox because it was on sale and I was like, I want to. I knew that it had. I had it on PS, the PS4 version that got remastered, but I had not played it. I've only played this game back in like 2016 on PS3. When I was like, I saw it on sale there. I was like, 
oh wow, I, ha I haven't really played this. And I was kind of hoping they were going to remaster it or put like a PS4 version and it never came. So I was like, that's kind of like, like, I have heard this one is better than Unity. And the PS3 version of that uh, row wasn't that great because the PS3 versions weren't. And I only played it once. So that's why like my, mem my memories of it were like so hasty that I ranked that on memory and I played it here. And I told it's like, this is, if I could redo that list, I would totally put this game way higher like significantly higher from where from where it was because uh it is to me like it, it grabs the best parts of three and some of the best parts of four and yeah. one thing that i do remember is that the the story is kind of cool because of how it shifts its perspective after like the initial hours and uh and it connects really nice with unity near the end and it's not that long also so if you, if you want to like mainline this and see it like you you totally could i kind of I kind of like always try to think the monkey's paw scenario or kind of like a butterfly effect of what would have been like if in 2014 Ubisoft had only released Rogue and in all systems, kind of like they did Assassin's Creed uh, for Black Flag, like in, in last gen and current gen. And in 2015, that's when Unity would have come out as like a, the first full next gen thing. That would have been such a night day reaction because Unity would have benefited from the extra time mm -hmm. and Rogue would have gotten the respect it deserves. I exactly. Think. Instead of having releasing the exact same freaking day. So. And then both of them ended up being either forgotten or reviled for mm -hmm. very specific reasons. Exactly. Uh, and changing the trajectory of the series forever. But that that bottom line, you can't say no to it, apparently. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So. But yeah, so uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue was great. And then the last thing that I'll mention, which will tie into yours, mm -hmm. was playing Callisto Protocol to finish. Yeah. Where, um, which yeah. is another game I finished this year. Yes, I'm, I'm so happy. I was like, yes, he finally at least has potential five games that he actually finished this time instead yep. of last year. So last week when we recorded, reviews for this were not out. We were getting ready for this game to come out. Um, when the reviews hit, I was like, oh no, because initially I was like, when in everything we had seen from the gameplay reveal at Keeley's thing, the first full trailer we saw at the, at the state of play, it being from like Glenn Schofield, the creator of Dead Space, at no point I thought it, it was like, they had this in the bag, it's like, he's the guy that created Dead Space, and then those reviews hit, I was like, oh no, he, did he miss? And then we played the game, we both beat it. I don't know where those reviews came from, I tell you. But yeah, you can say your, uh, say your piece. To, to clarify, like the Metacritic is sitting at a firm 72 yeah. or 73, one of those. and um, With reviews in the 4th, 5, and 6. And that's range. so low for how polished this game actually is. Okay. Uh, On console. Right. Yes. I... Let's go ahead and clarify that side of it because on the PS4, PS5 version, apparently it's running... just PS5. We don't know anything about the PS4 and Xbox One version okay, yet, which is crazy. Um, so the PS5 version is running fine. Apparently, the Xbox Series S and X versions are having some issues, and the PC version, especially, is nigh okay. unplayable. Mm -hmm. um, and to like the Arkham Knight sort of issues uh to give you an idea of that so yeah to clarify this is on the ps5 which was the best version but if you're playing it on any other version please be warned because it's yeah i can add a little bit with the series with the series x version because yeah. ainsley uh the editor-in-chief at, at the website i contribute season gaming he played this entire game on series x he played it on performance mode and he mentioned that it was basically perfect the problems are in the okay. quality mode that are missing uh are missing ray trace reflections like they do in ps5 and it has more frame rate issues there but performance mode it was working flawlessly 
Okay, no, that makes sense then, uh, which is at least good for that. So yeah, uh, on PS5, I guess I'll go through um, plot first. Mm -hmm. It's it's what you would kind of expect. It's guy crash lands on planet for various reasons, gets wrapped up into a jail and has mm -hmm. to escape because there's freaking monsters everywhere. Yeah. Once you say that, you kind of know the entire plot of it. And if you've played or seen anything that involves horror slash jails, yeah, it's you kind of see what it's going through. But that's also not really a bad thing either because mm -hmm. it's just fun. And in the end, we're all here for the gameplay, um, which I would say after an initial confusion and frustration with it, I got into the actual gameplay loop, and I know you did the same, where it is a lot more focused on melee mm -hmm. and tying that into the game, uh, the gunplay, and then back into melee. Yeah, and say. this is where I'm going to intersect, because uh, a lot of issues were uh, mentioned the dodge of this game. Yes. Some people are saying it's like one of the worst dodge systems ever implemented, that it, does, that. It, that, yeah. that it doesn't work. Uh, like you that, that you dodge once and then the next time that you dodge you always get hit and blah 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 and i was talking this with uh Ains, who was also playing it it's like because we went back and looked at and looked at the splash screen that stops the game for you yeah. to read it and, and it, it clearly says there is no timing window you can keep yep, holding the stick and then once you dodge on one side hold have to do it hold the it opposite. for the, the opposite side not in the same not, not in the same side and I saw many videos of people trying to do that. I did that myself. It, the first night I said, I was like, this dodge system kind of sucks ass. I'm being hit. And then you were the one that was like, I don't find much problem. I was like, Are you, am I crazy? And then you, then you were the one to remind me. It says, go left and right. Yeah. And uh, and this is basically punch out. I think, who was it that you saw? You heard that from? It was uh, the Sphere Hunter uh, on the, her YouTube channel. She clarified that the dodge mechanics are just Mike Tyson's punch out. Mm -hmm. And it's the left, the right, and then the hit. Yeah. And like, that's and, it. And, and, and like in punch out, you can't punch if the enemy's punching. Like, like yeah. it's not going to register your attack and you're going to get damaged. It's like, it's literally a game of patience. Wait, like, hold left, hold right see that they sort of stop attacking for a few seconds that's when you land in your blow with the stick that you have yep. and uh and and then uh, just rinse and repeat it gets a slightly problematic if you get a bunch of enemies at once but if you're if you're always like always holding one one side and then the other one it's not that hard Usually you'll dodge all of the enemies as long as you're doing the right movement at mm -hmm. that time. Uh, I think the only time I've had issues where if one enemy is crawling on the ground, that's it the does worst. not yeah, tie in well, mm -hmm. and that's when you get got. Mm -hmm. But overall, um, yeah. So anyway, I guess we'll full, full circle with that into the rest of the gameplay. Yeah, the dodge was a little weird, but at the same time, once you kind of nail mm -hmm. it, it kind of feels really good and cinematic, especially for boss fights and some examples. Mm -hmm. So a few is really overdone. Yeah. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But overall, um, I enjoyed that. I found that I didn't really have too many issues with the feel of the guns. No, uh, this game feels great to play. Well, I know game... at first you said you were like, oh, I'm not really feeling this gun. It's because first. I was I, I was thinking about Dead Space. Mm. Because I was like aiming at limbs and it wasn't doing any damage. I was like, oh, man. It's like, I don't know if it's going to work. But the thing is that this is this game gives you guns, but you have to go like, you have to use your stick. Yeah. Hit, hit, hit. Wait until like a blue dot appears and then use like the Just quick like critical damage yeah the stuff. critical damage and that's when it feels good i was like oh that's what they wanted you to do yeah. obviously you can just straight try to play it as a shooter is not as satisfying as like 
lowering I'll touch on that a little bit. Lowering down a little bit with melee to give the critical attacks because you can down those suckers in one or two shots. So yeah, um, and just for I, I kind of ended up liking the way they did all of the weapons because there really were a lot of them. But mm -hmm. to limit you on how quickly you could kind of flip between that, they were all 3D printed mm -hmm. attachments to the same trigger mechanism, with one exception, which I realized was how once that unlocked, that was like your big swap. bread and butter, mm -hmm. a hot swap essentially. The riot gun, the riot gun, and the assault rifle yeah, were the ones which, that you could switch. That assault rifle by the end of the game was so good. I upgraded that sucker really high because mm -hmm. I had a lot of money and I was clearing out enemies. But anyway. But you also um, did lower the difficulty for like the last few minutes, the, I, the, the last, the later half, right? I did, but I, because I upgraded it so quickly, I immediately got the Magnum exploding bullets, mm -hmm. um, which did a ton of damage. It's, it's, it's because uh, I'm, I'm doing another playthrough right now in easy because I'm. I'm gonna platinum this game. I only have like two trophies left, which are basically collectibles. And I am noticing how much, much more you're getting credits even early on, just by being on easy. Because yep. I, I I played the entire game in normal, oh, I see what you mean. and uh, I didn't have enough weapon to fully upgrade everything. And I don't think you are supposed to because there's a new game plus that they're patching in on February where yep. you can continue that with that kind of same, same level of difficulty. But I can imagine on EC, if you start from the very beginning, you're going to have enough cash on, on you that you'll be able to upgrade everything. I could so. see you upgrading everything. I didn't quite make it to everything, but mm -hmm. I knew once I got that assault rifle, I wanted to. So I kind of mm -hmm. held off on some of the money. But yeah, you're right. Um, and that probably helped me a lot to actually get to that point and also not take as many hits because boy, in the normal difficulty, uh, you will die in one hit. Oh yeah, it's, this boss. is Acer by like, even though it's more action, it definitely has that survival horror one hit kill trial and error style of gameplay that I played many, so that didn't bother me because I know that's part of the territory. Yeah. For others, I can see that being a problem, but I'm like, if that's a problem, have you ever really played survival horror? Well, especially if you're expecting Dead Space, mm -hmm. which does not have that in some areas. Yeah. Like, there's mostly a QTE failure that leads you to dying instantly. Mm -hmm. But for Dead Space, it was always like, get your health up so you can survive those multiple hits. And, and also in Dead Space, continue. little friction in how you heal. Because in this one, it's like, if you heal, you have uh, to kneel, get the yeah. thing, and shoot, and shoot the thing. Um, that's where I think it, it, this game is weaker in compare. If you want to compare it more to Dead Space, that's a little bit less frictiony. But I feel that's in design because by adding those extra animations that can seem annoying, it makes you like really be aware of when to do stuff, how to do it, and properly time. It's like there's a there, there's a bunch of like decision making you have to be doing to proper to properly uh, survive in this game. And I ended up appreciating even more, even if it could be frustrating in some sections where checkpointing is absolute ass. Like it was for me in the sixth chapter where you and I had a little bit of a different experience because I went all stealth in that because it felt like that game was encouraging me to like, because they're like, these are the version of it this was. game's clickers because they don't see you, they will react to noise. So that means, okay, this is where I can finally start shipping them. And yeah. sometimes that feels super satisfying, but at other times, those enemies would spasm in their animation and I, it would miss the window for me to like ship them and then pandemonium starts and then some are getting out of cocoons and they start coming at you and actually there was one point where there was about 10 of them mm -hmm. all in this one meandering area and i was like i can't imagine alejandro trying to stealth i did all i did all stealth because i 
there was like one moment where I was trying to like, let me just see how this feels. And then I immediately was like, no, I, I need to go back to my guns because I realized um, one shot to the legs to knock him to the ground mm-hmm. and the stomp is an instant kill. Yeah. So I didn't I know like, that. I, like I totally shot, didn't know stomp. that. So. <laughs> um, and I, I was willing to do a little more trial and error because I saw you, that you had done that whole process and I was like, I, I'm not going to survive this if I try to yeah. do stealth. In that big session where there were 10, there was a way for you to do the grip thing that you send them to the spikes. Yeah, and the that's spikes. how I, I realized didn't... that was more stealthy than I thought because mm-hmm. at first I was, um, I was like, okay, that's obviously going to make so much noise that it's going to get everybody's attention, and it doesn't. You just <laughs> throw them in, they die. But you have to do it so quick. Everybody's... You have to, yeah, you have to totally do it so quick in order for yeah. that to happen. So. Um, which I mean, props to them for at least getting the stasis side of things correct, because mm-hmm. that felt really great, especially once it's upgraded. Uh, just force choking and force pushing everything. Yeah, and I assume you completed this game all in its performance mode, right? Yes, because I immediately. I yeah. I started in performance mode, and then uh, I read the Digital Foundry like uh, tech review they do, and the main guy over there was like. You can totally play this in 30 FPS mode because it has like the visual qualities and actual step up from the resolution mode and I played it in its entirety and I saw no performance dips. Uh, it's properly well paced and I'd recommend it that way. I was like, okay, I'm going to switch and I did notice the visual boost. I was like, holy crap. Now, this is one of the few times where I understand ray trace shadows and reflections working together because sometimes I've seen games do like, ray, say they have ray tracing like Cyberpunk. And I was flipping back and forth with the resolution and uh, and the and the quality mode. And I even called my brother. I was like, "Am I crazy or am I looking at this the same?" Because I was focusing on reflections, and the reflections were exact, the exact same. And it was like, it looks the same to me. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stick with performance." And this one, I did notice the improved reflections on quality mode, and it performed relatively well. But gunplay became way sluggisher for me. And yeah. uh, especially, especially compar- once the chaos starts happening, oh, yes. everything starts blurring way too much for my liking. And I was like, okay, no, I can't see what's going on. Yes. And now we're going through that, this other round of performance mode. I'm like, yeah, it's like performance mode is just the absolute better way to play this game. But if you want it to look absolutely stunning, it's playable in the yeah, 30 FPS mode. The slower so. moments and probably the cinematics, especially, it, mm-hmm. it did look decent. Um, but I, I we haven't even talked like what's down. how stunning this game is. Yeah, like this which, is like let's go ahead and talk about that. Then. Yeah, it's like very sweaty people. It this is definitely I was like talking in that pockets like I guessed it in is like this definitely feels like that one time when EA did Finite Round Three back in the 360. Oh, yeah. All the screenshots we saw that was like look at the sweat and uh. and to be fair, it's like sweat is how you can really see the fidelity of a game like in its uh, in in its absolute best and. Even though this game is in PS4 and Xbox One, when I saw and when I was told that, I was like, I could have sworn this was just gonna be a next-gen only thing. Uh, even with like an uh, an older version existing, this feels kind of like a reference point in like how good quality, like quality-wise, this generation can get. And I would say like uh, graphics are have gotten so good this generation now that I feel like saying something is pretty. It's like. It's becoming like, yeah, it's like everything's pretty anyway. But there was just something particularly striking about the way this game did its lighting and its uh, indus- industrial sci-fi uh, dark corridors that still evoked nicely that space, but at a much higher quality and with better like actors also. 
Yeah, um, uh, they, I see why they decided to just give everyone either a glass plate on the front or just remove the helmet completely because they really wanted to show how much money they spent on these actors. Mm -hmm. But I will say the actors brought some freaking heat uh, with those performances, especially uh, our boy John Duhamel. I think yeah, Josh Duhamel, the guy, the military guy from the Transformers movies. Yeah, um, he did a fantastic job, I think, uh, in all of his big emotional moments for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the lady from The Boys that I can't remember her name. Karen Fahura. Nakuhara or something, but she's called Danny Nakamura here. But it's, yep. like, it's Kimiko from The Boys. Right. Um, but both of them did a great job. Um, I wasn't expecting a lot of the direction for the those characters to no. go the way they did. And our boy Sam Widwer, of course, like oh, yeah. giving it it all. Like He always knows how to I... hem it up. He, he steals every scene he's in. Uh, it's a shame that he's really not in the game all that much. I was hoping that we'd at least have some like audio banter between the two of them. Mm -hmm. um, but boy, when he shows up, it's like he's I can't imagine because up. here's the thing: like this is a, this was done by Striking Distance Studios. This is their the studio's first game, and this was also uh, because this was done by Crafton, the publisher that got built once a uh, PUBG became like so big that it needed kind of like a little bit more of a distribution control that's where Crafton uh -huh. was built on and, uh, uh, okay so it's like when you think that this is the guy's first like first ever game like you can imagine that maybe they didn't even have the budget that you would even get from an ea or an activision or like a normal conglomerate that can sometimes like pull, pull out more cash yeah so i can imagine like maybe they only got the actors for a few moments yeah awesome um and it's like all right do your performances and you gotta get out, I guess. Um, which mm -hmm. makes now it makes even more sense why they needed that Sony uh, studio for mm -hmm. their visual capture. Oh yes, especially by the end with like two or three characters interacting in such powerful moments together, it, it really had that like maybe not to the level of God of War, but it it had yeah. that vibe, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so th that was great. Uh, so we've talked just about everything that really needs to be talked about if i'm remembering right. yeah i just have to put it out there is i i feel like these games low reviews are a symptom at least in its majority of when they gave codes out to reviewers from what i understand they only gave reviewers a day or two to play this yeah and usually when you're given a code you want to hit embargo because that's when most you're going to get most of your clicks i can imagine a scenario where a lot of people rushed they didn't read the instructions and found the combat even more frustrating than it actually is because they just wanted to be done to have the review up. And me, that I played it over a few more days, but a little bit slower and more meticulous, I was like, yeah, I really don't understand all these complaints about the combat and, and uh, in its entirety, with only the few exceptions of the bad checkpointing and getting overwhelmed at times, but yeah. not enough to like slam this game, unless you're playing on PC like SkillUp did, that he yeah. absolutely eviscerated in his review when I understood. Because even Glenn Schofield came in and he's like, I'm so embarrassed of our PC version because it shipped with like a miscode in the performance. I like, they, they mistyped something in the code that completely broke it. So, so it was like, I understand that like the PC, the PC reviews being bad, like from a technical sense, totally valid. But using like, saying that the combat is bad, like it's bad in its entirety when I don't really agree with that. Like, like, like bad and unforgivably, unforgivably hard. I'm like, are you bad at games? Maybe because it's like it has a learning curve, but it's like not that intense of a learning curve to say that is like, a, it's like unforgivably bad and hard. That's when I feel that exposes some of the uh, of the flaws of the review process at times, and a lot of people criticizing the fact that it was like 
this is not that different. It doesn't innovate from the Dead Space formula or criticizing for being exactly what it was promised as. It's like someone as a creator of Dead Space doing a Dead Space East style of survival horror game and using that as a negative. And I'm like, this is exactly what we said we wanted. Why are you using that to attack the game? So. Yeah, I um, I do want to at least say to that point, there's that thin line between really unforgiving that everybody's complaining about, and I will acknowledge the boss fight specifically still on easy. You die in like two hits or something. Mm -hmm. One hit in normal. When one hit in normal, it's like it's not even that much of a help for you. Mm -hmm. um, I did notice for the final boss that I won't spoil anything. Uh, once I was able to get myself to full health, I did not have nearly as much trouble as I did with. I started the, the second other phase of that. Yeah, I started the second phase of that boss uh, with half health, so I started yeah. immediately with like a disadvantage. I but I learned that as soon as the checkpoints start, I started healing because the boss started yeah. doing like uh, this starts like roaring initially so at the time that he was running i was like i i timed it to be like okay i'm gonna kneel start the whole yeah. healing animation and then as soon as the healing would finish he would shoot at me but it barely does any damage so at that point i had the full health yeah so. it was um it was night and day for sure so i would say that the final boss was easier than some of those others and mm -hmm. those parts just needed maybe some dialing in just like if it's going to be an easy mode let it be an actual easy mode for some people that are going to struggle a little bit but besides that i feel like people were a lot way too hard on yeah um, and that's the thing it's way harsher than it needs to be i think this is one of the better games i played this year I, I like, would think I personally. would agree with that. It's mm -hmm. it's definitely going to reach my top ten. I don't know where it's going to be yeah, yet. It is. It's, it's totally mine. Um. So I and I want to see more from it, and I hope yeah. that it does well enough for them to justify a sequel. Yeah, and that's what I hope because right now there's like a, a renaissance in survival horror, and to me, like this is going this is kind of like the opening statement that I kind of want to emphasize when I write my review that. Even though we are like in this renaissance of survival horror, we got so many series at the top of their game currently and some even coming back and feeling like the, the genre is, is viable again. Let's not forget that in the PS3 and 360 generation, that genre was like almost dead and only one game kind of kept it alive, which was Dead Space, which has always been sad to think that then as soon as the survival horror genre finally started to like come back, that one died. The, 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 the dead space that kept it afloat during that dark period kind of went away and i feel similarly to how shinji mikami heard about these screams like back in 2013 2014 that people were decrying how like survival horror was basically just resident evil 6 and resident evil 6 was received so bad especially being like more of an action game that then he basically did the thanos put the globe thing you know, he's like all right i'll do it myself and that's where yeah. The Evil Within was born. And then uh, Glenn Schofield hearing so many people being like, man, it sucks that an entire generation came and went with like Dead Space. That's what's so crazy. Dead Space 3 happened on PS3 and 360 in the year the PS4 came out and that entire generation, no remasters. You could only play them on backwards compatibility on Xbox One. So Still, if you have a Series S or X, the Dead Space games hold up, at least the first two do. Yeah, the, um, uh, two and three actually, because they got a PS boost. The first one didn't get an FPS? Boost. No, because of the remake. Oh, well, no. okay, no, that makes sense. But um, I will say, though, even without that, uh, mm -hmm. the Spear so well, uh, video yeah. I watched on, um, actually, she did a retrospective on Dead Space. Mm -hmm. It was all captured from 360 footage of the original, and it mm -hmm. still looks fantastic. It has a really great, that, that industrial light 
uh, art style that's kind of darkened by like its light, its yeah. lighting, uh, its lighting usage. It's like it still holds up really well. It's and, still, it's the perfect example of what we've always been saying. Art direction is more powerful than actual technological power. Yeah, and. Uh, it made me it made me itch like once i platinum callisto protocol if i have some like uh, free time i kind of want to revisit the dead space games just to kind of go through them again because they really they... fresh for you for the remake next year oh yes especially it's coming so soon remember it's coming on january january yeah that's like that's what's so funny that uh a lot of people are like oh yeah the dead space remake now it's like should feel so chill now that now that the new game from the creator came out and it didn't and it wasn't received so hot and uh that I do find a little sad that how often that happens that you know that the creators of an idea that was so good that then left that project and try to do it again with a different project and it wasn't as well received as this project. It's happened, happened many times. So many times. Uh, Mighty it's, number nine. Yeah. Balan Wonderworld. Mm -hmm. This one. Titanfall. Titanfall. So and, many. And, and the Titanfall it hurts more because I personally feel that Titanfall is a better game than Call of Duty. It just has never received like the prestige of Call of Duty, especially with them is the way. He mishandled it. That's one of the makes it more tragic for me. So, and even the creator of Burnout, they did like a Kickstarter to do like a Burnout style game, and the game wasn't even that good either. So it's like, why does that keep happening? It's like, oh, uh, blood, uh, Bloodstained from Castlevania as well. Though that one was well received, to be fair, with Bloodstained. It was yeah. more so, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but anyway, but yeah, it just it, it just sucks. And obviously, with uh, Callisto Protocol happened because at that time back in 2020. When it was revealed at the Game Awards, which is so funny, the Game Awards happens tomorrow when we record this version yep. of the show. In the 2021, that's when Akili and Glenn Schofield announced this game. As literally the pitch was like, we hear you. That's why Glenn Schofield said, we hear you. You missed that space. EA is not doing anything. We're bringing that back. At least in the way she performed. We're bringing it back. And then obviously the year after, EA was like, you know what? We're doing a remake of the original one. So... It took the winds of the sales of the importance of Callisto Protocol, but in the short term, if Callisto Protocol is monetarily successful because Sony has been pushing this game, like they got the marketing deal. I hear people that are watching football right now are seeing Callisto Protocol commercials and like halftime shows and all that. So I'm like, I would hope that the marketing budget at least engenders some really good sales. And I've been seeing anecdotally that non-reviewers, like uh, people that are experiencing this game from launch onward, I've been like pretty happy about it so i'm like yeah i feel like this this has a chance to pro potentially become a, a, a series obviously the season pass already promised more story content i definitely want to see if we can get that because i want to experience more of the story because the the ending of this game doesn't stop it just promises you more, promises you more basically <laughs> so so yeah, i would say i recommend this game it's not a it's just shy of greatness but i say it's pretty good to great do would you agree yeah, yeah, I'd say it's at least good to great, if nothing else. Yeah. Now, Paul, uh, did you try Season of Sarah for Destiny 2 that came out yesterday? I very briefly played the intro mission for it uh, and one of like the heist battlegrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I turned the game off. But um, overall, I think uh, I'm still at a little bit of that exhaustion. Even though the visuals for it look so good, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through that again <laughs> yeah that's kind of like my push and pull where i am right now i feel like in premise this season like last season i was a pirate one and it was fun at first but it felt so lightweight and and it felt like the breaking point for me with the with destiny seasonal model that i just stopped playing halfway through and this was the first time 
since they've done season passes where I didn't finish a season pass. So I got to level 70 and the 30 because I almost consider be like, should I go in and pay the 30 bucks just to claim the things that I thought I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to take the L on this one. I don't really care about the armor looks here. I don't really care about the 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 final cosmetic for the exotic for that season. To me, like season of the plunder was season of the blunder. Like, uh, like skill up. Uh, At first, I was like, oh, this set. sounds really cool. And the more I tried it, the less I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I realized that the thing I wanted to play most of that season was Kings of the King's Fall raid, and I got everything that I wanted out of that raid so early. And I feel like I've been tracing what what was the breaking point. Uh, with me for Destiny this year, and to me it was Vault of Glass. The 31 runs I had to do to get Bex Metal Class, I think awakened something in my brain of being like, you're wasting your time doing it with a game that's disrespecting your time when you could be playing other stuff. And adding into the malaise that they have kept the seasonal structure the same, that every week you get a tiny kernel of a story that sometimes can be pretty good, uh, I thought the season of Haunting, the one that gave us Sword 3.0, the horror stories of the... I thought that told a really cool story, and especially with Callus, that's going to be a big thing into Lightfall when it comes out in February. I was like, at least I can see some connection here. The pirate one that we got felt so disconnected overall that I was like, yeah, this is like... This felt like a good time for me to, like, stop playing Destiny as a hobby. And I don't feel Season of Seraph is going to make this a hobby again for me, especially in a structure. I will say, though, that it has, it, it has at least added so many cool looking armor this time that I'm like, you know what? I'd be willing to grind out and at least get the pieces. Even though to me, like I would get them to transmog. I'm not gonna like try to oh, yeah. grind grind up like a god roll for this because I already have my pieces that I just transmog. I feel that would be the only reason why I would do it, but they had given so many that I'm like, you got me guys. And also the sever the serve weapons, the Aquila's SMG, the Aquila's shotgun, they were really cool when they debuted back in Warmind. Back in 2018, those were with the first really desirable weapons in Destiny 2 at a time where the sandbox was really bad. And they were rolling with some really cool perks. That SMG now rolling with ball shot, holy shit, I tell you. I, but especially when Duncan, our friend, like mentioned that he yeah. rolled with that in our Discord, I was like, that can rapes meme. Like, <sighs> I guess I'm back. But I don't feel like I'm fully back. We'll see with the dungeon though. The dungeon launches on, on Friday and. Uh, I definitely gonna try it because I did play that duality dungeon from two seasons ago a lot because it's raid-like activity that's easy to get with one or two people instead of the six. Yeah. And this is the season where Deepstone Crypt got the rerolls for the weapons and they, I they know got you the really origin like perk. That one. You haven't fully completed that raid, so that could be a fun one I would to try. Even say I've gone through half of it because we we like attempted the first little portion of it and then mm -hmm. we ran out of time. And I was and like, then we did right, the end. That'll be another time with Atrax. Um, I don't think I did that. No. No, the uh, the very end with uh, what's we call it with Tanix, a guy that that we're like in an arena and we're like carrying some bombs. I think you play that. I th I don't think I finished it. Uh, you haven't finished the entire thing, but we've done the final boss. I don't even remember doing the the final boss because I feel like I would have some weapons from it. You probably have armor. Maybe because I so. remember you played with us. I do remember that. I just, I remember we ended on that one that had like two sides to the room and there were people jumping back and forth. And that's yeah, that's the beginning. That, that, that's the, yeah, that's and the I beginning. I don't remember yeah. at all finishing it, but who knows? I could always have yeah, like a piece you, 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 Exactly, yeah. So I feel like you probably got armor that you didn't because the armor is not that great looking. So I can probably imagine you just charted it. So That could be possible. Yeah, but I'm excited to at least try that because it gives more of a reason to attempt that raid. And I think that's a pretty cool... I love the Beyond Light aesthetic a lot. 
I actually do like the aesthetic more than the Witch Queen aesthetic. Aesthetic was just uh, the Witch Queen aesthetic was really cool at first, but then like in a repeated in, in a repeated sense, it felt yeah, like yeah, very drab. Wrong. I just love that 1960s style, like high contrast sci-fi. That's that... why we love Lost Planet so much because mm -hmm. that's like winter plus cool sci-fi stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel another thing that I'm excited for this season is that it's like once again just kind of like season of lost last year it feels like it's gonna build directly into lightfall kind of like the it does lead right into it mm -hmm. um I, that's I know, where it but, ends right the yeah. season yeah this is the final season for the witch queen year okay, and we're moving into the lightfall year on february 28th unless it gets delayed i hope not because yeah. they have gotten pretty good and especially since they did the big del witch queen delay from 2021 they right. did it just to kind of catch up on time so I feel like I'm not fully back yet. At least after my first, after the first day I played, I was like, I liked some of the things that I could be chasing, but it's still the same seasonal shit for me. So I don't know. I don't know if I can do it more than how I've been doing it. It's like, okay, I've experienced the story. I'm out. I'm gonna play other stuff. I feel that has been healthy for me because I blame Destiny for all the backlog that I had when this game really had me by the downers. So. So yeah, let's see. It's at least going to be a short season. This is not going to be extended. I felt this last season was a little too long when I really think about it from August 23rd to December 6th. That yeah. was way longer than I was anticipating. So Like six whole months. Not six months, like almost four. Uh, four, never mind. Yeah, but it's like, that's still too long. This is going to be like two and a half. All December, all okay. January, and then... Yeah. And, and then like February, which is the shortest month of the year. So exactly. Like... So, so it feels going to be a little bit more manageable. It's going to be like uh, going to give me that dungeon. It's going to give me opportunities for us to do raids again. So we probably will have a certain someone join us in those raids that shall remain nameless. That you spent four hours that one time in that dungeon. God so knows. that's probably why led to burnout, just knowing that he would join us. That single-handedly broke me for sure on the concept mm -hmm. of raiding because yeah. they were a very active person in that and mm -hmm. it was always a really rough time because I don't have the luxury to just sit there for five to six mm -hmm. hours solving this. Oh yes. Anyway. And, and just a final thing before we move to news, uh, I started playing Midnight Suns. Uh, I convinced yeah, you to that? I convinced you to try to get this because I have been hearing a lot of positive stu stuff about it that explained to me the better idea of what the game was more because i was a little scared about the whole card thing i was like i'm not big into card games so i don't really understand it i will say next to sonic frontiers this year this is probably one of the worst marketed games that i've seen because as soon as i started playing it it's a turn-based marvel rpg Paul. it really is the card system is so easy to understand and that especially in its turn-based combat and it feels like xcom for dummies in a way you don't have to like overcomplicate how you move stuff around, at least from what I played, that I was like, you know what? I haven't had a turn-based game in forever. I didn't know that I kind of needed this. I only played like two hours so far because obviously the Destiny thing came up and I wanted to Platinum Callisto Protocol. But I would say for what they're trying to do with a, with a more turn-based RPG, I'm actually really digging it. And uh, especially being able to create your own Hunter, which is like the thing in the, in the trailer that they revived, that's like your main character. And, it's very interesting how much you can interact with the Marvel, with your Marvel characters in something called the Abbey, which is like your base of operations. There's like social links happening. Like it can even become a sort of dating scene in a way between like the wow. different Marvel characters. I was like, this is really nice. It's like, I, it reminds me of the times I would hang out with superheroes in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games that I really love. Obviously, I personally prefer that kind of gameplay for Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Part of me, when I play Midnight Suns, I'm like, 
guys, it could have been cool if you could have done like a Diablo style game again like they did, but to be fair with Foraxis, they wanted to do this and credit to Marvel games. Like I've been saying, at least you can see their, their entire output of what they've been putting out since 2018. Those games, you can't say they're exactly the same. I would say hopefully like when you have that free time, Paul, definitely give it a try. Especially because I you finally in Dragon... Uh, downloaded it actually just so I could have it. Mm -hmm. Um because after finishing Callisto Protocol, finishing Evil West, I had some extra space on the hard drive. So it's there if I wrap up any of my other things that I've been mm -hmm. trying to get into. Oh yeah, especially the one that's coming out next week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not like I'm getting overwhelmed by all these games or anything. Yeah, I did I did convince you to like not play one of those because remember you made me that meme of like all the pancakes being served? Yeah. Yeah, I was and, like, uh, I crossed you one. I was like, just wait on this one because we could yeah. play at co-op. So that opened the space. I can imagine being more overwhelmed if you had added something more there. I, but, I mean, I could have added any of like I almost put Assassin's Creed Rogue. I directed I, I don't. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it, it was, was Unity it, because I think you nah, also tested Unity was. to see how smooth it was. I was gonna play through that. No, yeah. um, but yeah, now it's Rogue. And yeah, and I'm glad you're doing that because I'd rather you play Rogue than Unity because Unity is legit good now with how. Yeah clean it runs even though it still has clipping issues and the controls of that game suck so much i'm not i will acknowledge that i'm not a fan of those controls uh, but at least it looks great yeah it, feels, um, it doesn't sound like if only the control is good as how smooth it is the animation of him going of arno going through those buildings so and i really want to dive back into that combat because i i figured it out the last Same. time i played it forever mm -hmm. ago and i was crushing dudes it's just very different and i feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people weren't willing to deal with that yeah it's like people wanted the insta kills like it used to be with assassin's yeah. creed and it's just more it's more Which of a combat game so really loving that in rogue where you could just kind of hold the button and it just Mm -hmm. takes them out it's great anyway oh, yes. I've talked and, about uh, oh yes and then oh. eventually you'll try syndicate which controls much better than yep. unity even though it doesn't Looking look as pretty that for sure all right paul we got six news this this week so without further ado press x or some news all right paul the first story is something that we had a long conversation about uh, is implication in this in the chat, and I feel like we could have it not as long as what we were arguing for like a full two hours, but maybe I could explain I could explain my vibe a little bit better after reading this. So, yeah. so yeah, and you can also say your piece. So, yeah. Story number one from Insider Gaming's Tom Henderson, our favorite leaker. The the Uncharted series is being rebooted. Leaker claims. A new report from TheLeak.com suggests that the Uncharted series has been greenlit for a reboot, but won't be developed by Naughty Dog. According to the leak, the series will be handed to an unknown developer, but Naughty Dog is expected to initially assist the new team. By October 2019, Uncharted 4 The Thief's End sold 15 million copies in four years. In 2015, Naughty Dog lead game designer Robert Cogburn suggested in an interview with Kotaku that Uncharted 4 was likely the last in the series. These games are hard to make, uh, Coburn said, particularly with a character like Nathan Drake in a world that's fairly grounded, it is a challenge to consider how much more we can expand the universe while adhering to those sort of rules, Coburn said. That's not to say uh, the questions will be the same in games we make going forward, but as, a but as a studio, we grow tired of answering those same types of questions in the same fiction. It's going to be fun for us to really embark on new ideas and start fleshing those out in a new series. 
The leak has generally it has a generally good track record when it comes to reporting leaks across a number of industries, and although Insider Gaming was unable to corroborate the report, we ha they have heard rumblings of something to do with the Uncharted series in the past, but once again they could not fully corroborate it. As for, as for, for when this supposed Uncharted reboot will be announced, it's anyone's guess, but we wouldn't be surprised if it's a few years down the line. So, it's the key uh, argument. You just kind of give some inside baseball of kind of like where we started going a little bit with our argument when, when I posted a, a picture of this happening. You said that you were uh, that it, it, that 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 it would really suck for not like, it sucks for Naughty Dog to see their IP being taken away from them to have someone else. Uh, do it. You can. You can yeah. explain. Explain why and you felt I'll that. Ex yeah. I'll explain that side of it because, in granted, mm -hmm. I was in the middle of driving a lot, so I didn't add some of the clarifying features mm -hmm. of uh, the actual company side mm -hmm. of it. It's more the idea behind. Okay, well, I think of the people who are currently on the Uncharted team that were the ones responsible for ending the series mm -hmm. in a very found, not foundational, um, like very definitive. specific way. Yeah, definitive. Mm -hmm. There it is. Um, and we're like, okay, this is the end of that, and now we're excited to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it like a million times with like comic manga writers, however it works, mm -hmm. where they finish a series and they're like, this is perfect. This is the ending. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go off and do this thing, and then. And somebody who's higher up that has that call just says, okay, that's cool. You can do that. I'm going to then give that series you finish to somebody else to do. Mm -hmm. And like that feeling of betrayal as like mm -hmm. somebody in my uh, kind of field, I would feel so like I have no control over this, but it's like kind of being pulled away from me. And like, yeah, I'm allowed to kind of help with it, but I have to give it up at some point. That's really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I was always thinking this like, gosh, that must really suck for mm -hmm. anybody who like worked on that, whoever that was in their writing team, whether that's Neil Druckmann, whoever that was, mm -hmm. that wanted to end it that way, getting that pulled away from them. Uh, that was kind of my whole idea mm -hmm. in that idea. And then I know you had some different ideas. So why don't you go ahead? And yeah, to me, yeah, to me, it's like uh, it just goes into just understanding the kind of studio Naughty Dog is and the kind of cloud they have within Sony. Uh, when Amy Hennig was working on Uncharted 4 uh, before she got to let go, it was it was her idea that Uncharted 4 was just going to be another Uncharted. Like I, it was just, just going to be like the next step. Then when she the whole problem with the game the, the game's development happened and then she was let go and then they asked Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley who had just finished the last of the, the 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 first Last of Us back in 2013 and it's DLC and we're getting ready to have like a long sabbatical as they plan the next big thing for them at the the presidents Christophe Balestra and uh, and what uh, and Evan Wells who led Naughty Dog at the time they came and asked him and basically begged them would you be willing to take on this project that was basically left halfway done and push it to the finish line and even though it's probably not one that you wanted to start they had to be coerced into making that one and then but before they could take in they had to like talk with the entire team and come into an agreement to be like we're gonna do this but this is gonna be the last one we make are we all okay with that all of you not just us and the entire team was like yes we're okay with this being the end of the uncharted series as we know it and that's kind of how they went forward with uh, with uh, with the Uncharted for a Thief's End that we ended up getting. The, the end of Nathan Drake's story and all that. Obviously, they, 
had to do a DLC pack because Sony had already sold a season pass, so they had to do that's kind of where the Lost Legacy kind of came came from. But then, as a studio personally, they were like, no, we are done making Uncharted. And when Uncharted was done in 2016 and Lost Legacy came a year later in 2017, it's been like five years and nothing in, uh, in Uncharted has happened. And to be fair to, like, to Sony, like Sony has been wanting Uncharted to happen like many, many times. But they respect Naughty Dog as a studio so much that they always had the final say and a game that was started over, that was rumored to be have started at San Diego Studio, got canned. Uh, a, a game that apparently was being worked over at Sony Band, that was also from Uncharted, got canned. That's the one that happened after Days Gone that le led to like a huge tumult over, over at Sony Band that, le that left the uh, that led the studio le leads leaving and all that. That was a big kerfuffle we read around, around this time last year. But sometime... After like four years, four to five years after they had initially said that Uncharted had been done, Kurt Margano, who was the game director for The Last of Us Part II during interviews when they were like doing the promo tour for The Last of Us Part II, they had mentioned if something, uh, what did they think about the potential future for Uncharted? And then they had been saying that we had said that we were done, but we wouldn't be opposed to it returning in some way. They said that. And then literally less than a year after, uh, around... Uh, April of this year, we heard, we heard the story that they had hired a new recruit, a new recruiter that was working on the legacy of Uncharted. If the name in the name of uh, what was the full name of this lady, Christina Marie Drake McGregory was the name, and the, and how she had been brought in to kind of like help manage their future projects and also keeping the idea of the legacy of Uncharted alive. Whether it was and you could take uh, an idea of that being. The Legacy of Uncharted, that's like what they had just done with Legacy of Thieves collection, which is the collection that Naughty Dog ended up doing, kind of like how they did Last of Us Remastered as like a way to understand the PS5 architecture by porting an old game into the new hardware. And maybe that's how they're going to continue. The thing is that I feel like them hiring that person and hearing about this leak that that, that the series is going to be rebooted and going to be continued, but not fully by Naughty Dog, who... Many people, including myself, have been like, move on, do something new. Which Neil Dragman said they are. This year at Summer Game Fest when The Last of Us Part 1 remake was leaked and, uh, or more like officially revealed, and they said that Factions is gonna have more information next year. And then Jeff Keighley asked him, man, are you doing something else? And then not in the, and then Dragman was like, yeah, we're, we started working now on something else that's very early. We can't say much, uh, much about. And also, you had to like go way back in their history where they got bought by Sony and they didn't bring Crash Bandicoot with them. That stayed over at Universal and they had to witness their baby being given to someone else without their input. By having someone that's in charge of the Legacy of Uncharted, like they mentioned here, then that means that they can have their cake and eat it too. They as a studio don't want to work on Uncharted and they have the cloud to say what they want to work on. Like we saw with part one earlier this year. That was a visual arts team project that the Naughty Dog saw and they were like, you know what, Sony, we kind of us want to do that. Can you give that to us? And Sony was like, yeah, go for it. And they took that project from them and they did it. And that was Naughty Dog wanting to do that because they had the, even though they're an own publisher, they're, they're an own developer at Sony, they have a certain kind of cloud that Sony respects them enough that they want to always keep them giving them creative control. And in this case, if this is true, because we have to come, because, uh, as Tom Henderson mentions here, he hasn't fully corroborated, but he knows the leak.com has gotten leaks right before. This is a way for them to finally see that Uncharted can still continue without taking Naughty Dog resources. 
and them as they're saying that they're expected to initially assist the new team it means that they're able to nurture their project to be able to someone else can do it and now they can finally move on to some to someone else in this case the studio with the way the studio structure doesn't make it that bad that they're not gonna work on uncharted anymore because they have clearly said we don't want to we're done we could have but we said we wanted to be done yeah i will say like in your concerns the one i do feel bad for is amy hennig because she created yeah. uncharted Absolutely. And ever since she got to let go, now she has to see her baby being handled by the company that she was working in. That anytime that they created something, they always owned it. And now she won't have any say on whatever this new reboot is going to be. That is one that is like, I feel like fits more into your concerns of like seeing a yes. create into seeing a creator, like see their creation that's going to live beyond them. And it's happened before we saw it with George Lucas when he saw the. When he's all Star Wars, and he was kind of expecting and hoping that he was gonna have some input, and into what Star Wars episodes seven, eight, and nine were gonna be, but Disney decided to go in a completely different direction that ended up backfiring on them. So, and obviously our friend Zach mentioned Alan Moore being like, yeah. "I wrote Watchmen. I don't want anything with Watchmen." And DC was like, "F you. We own this. We're gonna keep doing that." There is parts where I feel for the artists. I absolutely do. I don't feel bad of this happening with Naughty Dog because I know how they work. I know the power they've been given by their... They, I know the power they have been given over at Sony. And I know Sony has been wanting Uncharted. Like, do you not see a game selling 15 million copies and don't want to continue that? They have been wanting that. Is that they respect Naughty Dog enough that they've been the ones that have been like, nope, 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 nope. And now this time be like, you know what? We know you want to continue Uncharted. We don't want to. But we want to hope that the legacy of this series is going to at least have a, a, a semblance of quality. Here's why we bought this new, we brought in this new person to oversee that. Yeah, I yeah. I do like granted with all of these pieces of information because obviously all I was really operating off of was the screenshot I think, mm -hmm. and then from there it spiraled into mm -hmm. talk about what determines the, eth yeah. the ethics of art yeah you control of art that you create and stuff so it um it kind of like got off the rails and of course like i was in the middle of like using maybe half my brain power on the conversation mm -hmm. half on driving and not dying um and so like given all of this stuff like they're in such a better position than a lot of companies that usually go through this stuff mm -hmm. and at, at like the top of my hierarchy of empathy is definitely amy hannick who mm -hmm. has had that ripped away from her yeah and then has not been allowed to finish any of her games since it's That's so sad. gotta be so draining to not have any progression throughout like a decade of work yeah and it's up to think that the only game that in recent time that at least we know that we'll get it to the finish line that she had some contribution on, even though she didn't direct was forspoken right that's coming um, up in january and Clearly, she didn't write the dialogue. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I can't imagine. I cannot imagine it with her. Like I cannot. Oh, I can't imagine gosh. her being the. Uh, because you always mentioned, you always mentioned that it's like a collaborative effort, right? And and and, and there's like a, a couple writers and all of that. But I know at least in the Naughty Dog side, I know that because for a long time they didn't uh, they didn't uh, have a producer in the studio because they wanted everyone to have equal say, even if there were directors, because it was like they couldn't. Yeah, so it was like, you know that everything that that what was decided there was like put in the entire team. And then I know that uh, the writer for Uncharted 4 is now the co-president of Naughty Dog. Yeah. So it's like, Which I know that like, at least... Good I, situation. Yeah, happen. like the guy that wrote the favorite, the story of your favorite Uncharted, not mine. Yeah. It's like the one that is like, has the final say. And then 
it, it like from a high position of authority found at this nice compromise of we know sony absolutely likes money we, want, they know, we know they want to kind of see the uncharted the, the uncharted series kind of continue we don't want to do it but we want to see it be done right after we've seen what losing an ip and being driven right into the dirt has happened before like what happened with crash that after crash one two and three and ctr Universal kind of took that IP and gave it to like Konami and a bunch of other trashy studios and the PS2, PS3 or Crash Bandicoot games were all trash. And it was like the legacy of that series was just tarnished and they had no say. This time like they, they, they'll be able to like nurture, finally know where to put their baby in the good hands and they get to do that themselves. Yep. That's probably the best case scenario for usually the shitty situation that sometimes happens to creators. Yeah, and um, I think obviously there's like that tiny part of me that holds my own level of like, there's nothing like Uncharted. Mm -hmm. And even though I understand the decision to stop it, there's that part of me that's like, there needs to be more games like this. Mm -hmm. uh, why did that never take off? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I feel like, like, I do want more of it. Yeah, and I feel also, you know what? And, and I feel like uh, the reason why it stopped is because, uh, and I just keep seeing like tonally, Uncharted 4 was not like 1, 2, and 3. Amy yeah. Hennig had that pulpy 1960 style of adventure that is very Indiana Jones-like, like Tintin and all of that. Oh, yeah. Neil Druckmann is made different. Like he's wired differently. He's more about that. Yeah. Neil Druckmann is more about like the humanity. He's, Neil Druckmann is more about like the emotion. Neil Druckmann is more about like groundedness, which for Uncharted, personally to me, that's not compatible with high, with high, with, with high adventure. That it managed to work with Uncharted 4 because it was the ending, it worked there. But they probably, like, their sensibilities are like, we can't continue doing this kind of series because we're not wired like the person that was let go. So we had to stop there. How is now, now, now imagine, like, this new studio brings in the right energy and Naughty Dog at least puts a stamp of approval in quality and they bring that up. It's probably, like, the best case scenario. I think in yeah, granted with all of that stuff that's most likely the case and mm -hmm. it's like if somebody wants to bring back the real heyday and mm -hmm. feel and vibe of what that original stuff was maybe even line it up a little more with what amy hannig originally wanted from the series mm -hmm. and it gets the blessing of approval i think that's probably the best decision in the end um, yeah yeah and I would be feel, I would have felt more I would have felt more like in your in your side of concern had we not heard about their recruit the recruiter they brought in earlier this year. Yeah, the person that I would, that actually manage those yeah. details. Is it raining by you by chance? Someone's showering. Can you hear that? Because the Barely. bathroom is like close. God damn it. But well, we're gonna um, have to make do. Yeah, it's raining. <laughs> yeah, it's raining. That's yeah. Totally so, but yeah, I'm. And here's my thing, Paul. It's like this doesn't guarantee that this new charter is gonna be great either. But at the very least, I know that there's a scenario where at least Naughty Dog has a say, especially knowing that Sony still gives them enough clout. But we have to wait and see how that turns out. So. I personally would love if a new Uncharted can come up and it's great. I will say though, I can add in a little bit of skepticism. It's kind of sad a little bit to not think that they'd rather go the full reboot even though they definitively ended Uncharted with Uncharted 4 by let themselves an out to continue the series with the daughter. I hope it does yeah. and that it kind of gives everyone a good conclusion but also continues some mm -hmm. kind of a storyline you know yeah and i feel like that's the one part that i feel like we can say that maybe money grabby, money grabby sony kind of could have maybe shifted a little bit of what could have happened there 
because uh, we just got an Uncharted movie that was fairly successful earlier this year. What is now Sony's MO? Uh, I don't know. Synergy. I, oh, yeah. Okay. Synergy. So, yeah, I know. That so that's, I think, one area that I'm like, I think I kind of agree with you there because it's like Uncharted 4 didn't end with like a sequel bait. It's like that was a definitive conclusion. You just could infer that they could potentially continue a series if they want because Uncharted is pretty successful from that point onward. Maybe the the re was like start Nathan Drake again. Who knows? But that's all we have now. That this is like all just take everything with a grain of salt until it happens. But knowing that Uncharted is still relatively successful as a series, it's definitely gonna come back. I'm just glad Naughty Dog at least has a say and some some uh, some of their hands in it, because the worst scenario would be the Amy Hennig situation where they have no say, and that sucks. And I fear for create. I feel for creators where that happens to them. This is definitely how it happened. So, story number two, Paul. Uh, this is a fun one that happened today. Days Gone director blames middling reviews on, quote, woke reviewers and tech issues. Uh, yeah, the director and writer of Days Gone has blamed the game's middling critical reception and technical issues and woke reviewers who he claims couldn't be bothered to play the game. John Garvin tweeted this theory in response to a fan asking why he thought the post-apocalyptic PS4 biker game didn't get more praise when it was first released in 2019. Just a context because the Metacritic of the PC version was higher now, right now, if you if you go it because that version came in later than when the PS4 version originally launched in 2019. Three reasons, Garvin replied. One, it had tech issues like bugs, streaming, and frame rate. Which, by the way, Glad we a lot of those early on <laughs> in the first week, I tell you. So. Yeah. Number two, it had reviewers who couldn't be bothered to actually play the game. And number three, and three, uh, and three, he says, it had woke reviewers who couldn't handle a gruff white biker looking at his date's ass. Uh, Days Gone currently has a, set, a score of 71 on the review aggregator Metacritics. Numerous similar PS4 console exclusives scored somewhat higher, such as Ghost of Tsushima earning 83, and Sony Santa Monica's God of War reboot receiving 94. Garvin's latest claim has sparked backlash from both members of the game's media and fans of the series who responded to his tweet negatively. One response read, Come on, John. Woke? You're better than that. To which Garvin replied, Nope, I'm really not. If a reviewer objects to a character because of identity politics, I call that woke. How am I wrong? Others pointed out that Red Dead Redemption 2, which contains numerous instances of racism, sexism, and other scenarios that those accused of being woke would presumably object to, was released just six months earlier and was critically acclaimed with a Metacritic score of 97. I'll just say this, uh, just to try to get his points across. Point number one, it had tech issues like box streaming and frame rate. You're solely, like, you're being like, you're, you're, you're vastly underestimating how bad that was because I tell you, it was bad in that first week. Seven patches within the first week to try to fix that thing. The game got sent to reviewers in a broken state. It was. I've heard many times that, there, that, that it was so broken that when people started playing it in the first week that they were like, this is not as broken as I saw in some videos and all that because they, they released it in that state. And even then it took forever to be super clean like it is nowadays. That even it has a PS5 uh, enhanced version of the PS4 game that runs and looks pretty good. That it had reviewers who couldn't be bothered to actually play the game. Uh, in this one, like I know there were a couple reviewers as I think specifically the GameSpot one that mentioned how uh, Deacon St. John is a one-note character that didn't grow at all in the entirety of the adventure and you could poke a hole there and be like, you didn't play it all the way to the end because he yeah. changes when 
he finds his wife. That I can see a little bit of like, yeah, dude, they you didn't really finish. The whole game kind of changes like yeah. three quarters of the way through anyway. Yeah. So but it's a long ass game also. It is. Yeah. Um, so I'll give it that where it's like, all right, on one hand, they don't really have the time to finish all of it. On the other, it's like you're making a catch-all term that could really mm -hmm. point out how much or how little you played. Yes. Um, the last one, though, that it had woke reviewers that couldn't handle a gruff white biker looking at his date's ass. IGN previewed the game. And listen, previewed no. months before where the previewer was like, he mentioned something like, well, at first I wasn't excited to play as another standard white male graph protagonist he, he literally said that in the preview the end of the quote was like i was actually surprised how taken aback i was at actually liking him that's like the more i played that's the quote but apparently a lot of people to have taken so much that quote from that preview and say that that was in the review of the game by ign that now john garvin has used it kind of like as his whistleblow of yeah. like yeah they, they said it works so they didn't like it and a lot of people were making fun of the wedding scene of that game where, uh, where his wife asked him, please promise me you're gonna ride me as much as you ride your bike, which is so cringy, oh, but also, yeah, that, that is very, yeah, it, it was, it's a very cringy line, but the thing is that that's very traditional, like motorcycle slang. Yeah, and that's, that's that's how they used that. But uh, that wasn't yeah. in the reviews, that was in the discourse that was happening. I'll just say this, like the, the best parts of that game were way too late in that game. They just were. It's a game that actually gets better, better the more you play. You gave that game away at its worst state. That's why those reviews were low. Don't try to sugarcoat it. I played that game. I platinum that game. We both played it in 2019 when we first met around that time. And we were we like, were both like well, we know this has problems, fun. but I'm liking this. <laughs> and it's kind of fun because it gets, it's a game that just gets better the more you play. But also like your early parts are so bad. Don't and, and, and mix in with the technical issues that were present at that time, especially for reviewers that played it before the seven patches we got while we were playing it don't be surprised that's how why it got those low reviews don't try to sugarcoat it with like uh classic slash uh you know right wing talking points of like this as well then for this and like it's like you're just being disingenuous especially when you know that there's other games that tackle more serious matter that are scored higher look at red dead so i I think that there's not much more that I will say yeah. about it outside of the fact that it's like, take your licks where you deserve them and mm -hmm. try not to push the reasoning for a bad mm -hmm. turn in things on the political alignment of the people you don't like. Yeah, That's probably not the good direction on that. And as far as like the actual game itself, I mean, I remember it was the awesome super smart wife's job and reasoning why the game even finished in a positive light because mm -hmm. she outsmarts the enemy mm -hmm. rather than any one big thing so it's like it's got like good progressive sides of mm -hmm. it too so it's like homeboy you're, you're talking about such really backwards thinking here mm -hmm. um you could make any argument of any direction on your perspectives here so it's like why are you gonna take that route? Not to mention now you're off doing crazy nonsense with NFT games. Yeah, so. with, with with that delicious <laughs> company in this Ashfall game, which hilarious. They they they're naming their their NFT game that they say they, they say it's not an NFT game, it's just a blockchain game. Which to me those terms are usually like one and the same. It's much yeah. as semantics are trying to be said. That uh, you're saying about it. They named it Ashfall and they didn't trademark the game and and what's the name? Uh, 
the, one of the Chinese conglomerates, NetEase, announced an MMO called Ashfall also over oh, in the Chinese oh. side. And it's like a game that's being, that, that's like fully animated and all that. And I'm like, dude, how did you not trademark your thing? Are you incompetent? It's like, is this is the guy that's like uh, arguing these things? Makes it harder to take him a little seriously. And I say that as someone that I did enjoy that game. I did. Yeah. I don't platinum games I don't enjoy. I got a platinum for that one. So, but I'm not gonna like carry water for that. This is just stupid talking points. Yeah. So, story number three, Paul. I'm very excited for this. Uh, yeah. Star Wars Jedi Survivor will be released in March 2023, according to Steam. Uh, the, the Star Wars Jedi Survivor release date will fall in March 2023. That's according to the game's Steam page, which is seemingly being updated ahead of an, uh, of an official announcement. The Steam page, which listed March 15 and March 16 release days, depending on when it was viewed on Monday, also includes new Star Wars Jedi Survivor story details, plus information and pre-order bonuses and deluxe edition of the game. Update. Uh, the game's Steam page has reverted to its previous version, meaning it no longer lists in the release date or new details picture uh, that they picture below in the article you can check on VGC.com, suggesting they were published ahead of schedule. And update 2, EA has confirmed plans to show off the first Star Wars Jedi Survivor gameplay at the Game Awards on December 8th, tomorrow from when we're recording when this show posts, and release new artwork for the title, which is also viewable on the webpage. Cal has some beard, I tell you. EA did promise us, Paul, to say that before the fiscal end of fiscal year 2023, we're gonna have a remake and a sequel. The remake was Dead Space, that's coming up in January. Dead of Survivors coming out in March. It lines up. Sure. I cannot wait for Jedi Survivor. I tell you, I, I just cannot wait. It's like just thinking how much I enjoyed Jedi Fallen Order, even with its problems. That was my favorite game of 2019. It was like, it's my kind of game wrapped up in Star Wars done right, even if it was janky. And we were probably starved from... Man, it was fun. Yeah, really great story. Some of one of the best Star Wars stories told. And not to mention all the things that they've proven that, or proven, promised that they're going to be adding in there with uh, down in the follow. I won't read the whole thing, but it's saying that Cal is no longer a Padawan, but an actual Jedi Knight, Mm -hmm. that he's going to be actually going off to really kick some butt. He, there's going to be new fighting styles uh, and new force abilities, new places to go, and it's like all of the stuff that you want out of a good sequel because really Jedi Fallen Order was almost a proof of concept nowadays. Mm-hmm. And once it proved it, they're like, all right, now we're going to go off and just really yeah. power through on this one thing. We're going to give real resources to it. We're going to polish it up. We're going to add new stuff that it was missing. So it's like, this is everything you could really want. I mean, this is what we were saying back with like Horizon Forbidden West. We were mm-hmm. talking about God of War Ragnarok. It's all of the things, you know. Yeah, the sequels that takes the nice ideas of the first game and fully develops it in the, in, into the new one, basically. That's what we're exactly. talking, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I tell you, it's like, I'm just glad that it seems like it's so close. It's, I like just this new, I, this new EA era we're in, where uh, they just announced, officially announced games with few lead time. And it's like so close. And in that same month, we're also getting Resident Evil 4 remake, Paul. It's gonna be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's like the, the, <laughs> the bloodbath is restarting again. Like I mentioned, like we're definitely gonna talk about this next week when we do like a look back at the entire year. I just hope that next year is more even kill. Give us the bangers, but don't leave us too many Johnny Gaps. 
So give us some stuff in April. Give us some stuff in July. Yeah. <laughs> Spread it out, guys. Exactly. So, but yeah, I'm not I'm like. Uh, and the good thing is, this is new gen only. So compared to even like God of War Ragnarok that had a PS4 version, True. still it's but, like, I hope that we see that, that them being on a, on a new generation uh, improve a lot of the yankiness and or feel like a leap. I would hope so. I really so. Hope so too. Right, Paul. Uh, and we'll hopefully like see the confirmation of the date at the Game Awards. That's basically tomorrow. I'm definitely watching the entire thing. So I'm hoping some good announcements out of that. So story number four, Paul. Uh, Microsoft commits to bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo post-Activision deal. This is a story by Marcus Stewart from Game Informer. So, In the wake of Microsoft's ongoing acquisition of Activision Blizzard, one of the most contentious arguments against it has been Call of Duty's continued presence on PlayStation platforms. Xbox head Phil Spencer has repeatedly promised that the genre franchise will still appear on its main rivals' platforms, but that hasn't stopped Sony from touting the loss of the series as anti-competitive to stop the deal from going through. After saying he had no problem keeping Call of Duty and Sony Harbor for the long term, Spencer has now extended and formalized that promise to Nintendo and Valve. Last night, from when we're recording, uh, Spencer announced on Twitter that Microsoft has entered a 10-year commitment to bring Call of Duty back to Nintendo. In a follow-up tweet, Spencer states that series will remain on Steam as well. Of course, all of this hinges on the approval of the publisher's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which continues to be scrutinized in ongoing approval processes from government regulators. Call of, Duty, Call of Duty has yet to appear on Switch, and the last entry to launch on the Nintendo platform was 2013's Call of Duty Ghosts, which appeared on Wii U. The series won't have a new entry in 2023, and by then the acquisition should be complete, assuming it is successful. Thus, it's unclear when we can expect to see Call of Duty return to the house of Mario. In contrast to Sony, Nintendo hasn't made much of a fuss about the Activision deal, and you could easily argue that Switch sales haven't suffered from the lack of Call of Duty's presence. Getting the franchise back certainly doesn't hurt, though. I tell you, this is such a checkmate move by Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, we haven't, because I have tried to like step away from talking about the Activision Blizzard deal because we've talked so much about it. Other than saying that, I feel like Sony has been way too disingenuous about the arguments that they were making, including, uh, I don't know if you ever said it here in the show, that they were arguing that if Activision would be acquired by Microsoft, then Microsoft would go in and, and increase the price of games and their console. That way, they were arguing that in the UK, where Sony literally did that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is insane that you're willing to make this kind of argument. It's so bad faith that I just want you to lose. And by Microsoft formalizing this kind of thing, because 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 uh, Sony's entire stance of what they've been trying to tell the FTC and the CMA and the EU is like, no, Microsoft is absolutely gonna take things away from it. It's gonna make gaming so much worse and blah blah. blah. And now here, Microsoft being like, hey, we're doing a we're formalizing a deal with Nintendo and Steam. And Steam answered to this. And they say, they don't even need to formalize a deal with us. We believe that they're going to put their games here. That's such strong argument against the FTC say, against, against like the claims they, Sony's been making to the FTC that they're going to take away that. It's like, Sony has been so stupid. So, so stupid at how they're acting over this. And, man, and they, they even, even told like and, uh, Brad Smith from... From Microsoft, who who talks to the money people at CNBC and all of that, they he literally tweeted, uh, "We entered this commitment with uh, Nintendo, and uh, we're hoping Sony comes to the table so we can formalize this. It's up to them." So I I don't even know how this like 
in their heads gets connected like this mm-hmm. um because in in my head this is like 4d chess on phil spencer's side where he's like all right i'm gonna not only shut y'all down for this i'm gonna like eat it on the the short term by promising this process because just imagine the resources you're gonna have to devote to make the call of duty games even playable at all on switch is ridiculous and like claiming that you're going to be willing to put aside those resources for that is just like all right that's a big claim i'll give it that um making it formal like that mm-hmm. or at least public because um, the thing is that they want to formalize and they said we want to make this deals that the ftc and all of you are going to enforce like you've been like you're going to hold us to our promise that's yeah. what they want is being like we're offering these deals and we're going to have the regulators like put that in writing that they're enforcing us to follow through on these deals that we're offering they really want to make this like pass these things through and their argument is like they say because they want to put more games out everywhere this basically supports that argument that they want to like have a that they're not gonna enclose it they want more things for everywhere because this doesn't even include xcloud that can be experienced in so many devices already so it's just sony like sony what uh what i always keep saying it's like Sony has just gotten so in love with them having the Call of Duty marketing to associate Call of Duty with PlayStation and them, them uh, making these deals to have the exclusive content, like the exclusive skins, the exclusive whatever, the exclusive modes at a time over on PlayStation. That That's what they fear. They kind of want to kill this because they want to still have that. And to me, it's like that's so short-sighted over the long-term damage that they're doing that they're relying so much on a third-party game and like poo-pooing your own stuff like you're basically saying that if call of duty leaps then all the stuff that everyone loves about your system your exclusives we recently got god of War ragnarok my favorite game this year it's like that's not enough for you huh yeah that's what that's what it looks like it, so dumb. it really does not paint a flattering picture in the slightest so it's like at this point like and you're shit talking with your other partners Phil Spencer has outsmarted them completely. I don't oh, see yes. how they're going to come back from this in mm-hmm. any sort of way, unless any of the regulators are going to be petty about it. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is more of a Yeah, I feel like now with so. this put out there, the only way this doesn't go through now is if they just want to make an example, like a baseless example of it. And I tell you, it's like, I keep saying, like, if Sony thinks that stonewalling this deal from ever happening and cheating, micro, uh, and cheating, uh, Activision from 68.7 billion dollars is gonna like still want to make like Activision keep their marketing deal with them. I think I don't know what they're thinking. It's like could you imagine be like, oh, yeah We argued so hard for you to not get those 68.7 billion dollars that you were gonna get in cash Come here. Keep like the marketing deal going with us. It's like what is that logic? Activision's obviously gonna be like F you Absolutely F you We're not gonna be dealing with you anymore. You're like prevent us from getting all this money after we're saying we're not removing the game from your system you still have it i just i can't believe it honestly so this yeah. is just... that's why i want them like it's like it would be so delish it, 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 i just want microsoft to just get this just to kind of stick it to sony i tell you it's like they just like they are the reason why like the way sony has been acted is why a year where they released effing games great games more than like like that people who want to play on their console compared to over an Xbox that they had to like get I didn't even want to call it sloppy seconds but they had to like make do with what they were sending them with the game pass to try to like sustain them yeah Microsoft's having a better year somehow because of that how they've been playing the PR and Sony just like stepping on the rake by being so petty about this so 
in a year where everything came together for them in games. That's insane. And so we'll, we'll give them their props for this one, and then we'll bash them in the next breath for this next new story. Oh yeah, exactly. Like because that's how we go. Because uh, for all the people that were like, no, I'm, uh, Microsoft will never increase the prices of their games. They're the, going to be the consumer. The, the, they're going to be the pro-consumer ones, like in every entirety. Even though the rise of cost is going everywhere, well, you lost your argument in one area. Story number five. Xbox Series XS first-party games will cost $70 next year. Microsoft has announced that it's raising the price. This is a story by Michael Stewart and Game Informer, by the way. Yeah. So Microsoft has announced that it's raising the price of first-party Xbox Series X and S games to $70 beginning in 2023. IGN first confirmed the news with a Microsoft spokesperson telling the outlet that this price reflects the content, scale, and technical complexity of these titles. First-party Xbox Series X and S games such as Starfield, Redfall, and Forza Motorsport will be among the first titles to have the $70 price tag when they arrive next year. The price of Xbox Game Pass appears unaffected, and the Microsoft spokesperson continued by saying, as with all games developed by our teams at Xbox, they will also be available with Game Pass the same day they launch. Given the increasingly exorbitant cost of AAA game development, the price rise was only a matter of time. In an October live interview with the Wall Street Journal, Xbox head Phil Spencer said as much when he stated that the company couldn't keep his products at the same price forever. I do think at some point we'll have to raise the prices on certain things, but going into this holiday we thought it was important to maintain the prices. Sony was the first console maker to charge $70 for its PlayStation 5 first party offerings at the start of this generation. In August, Sony raised the price of the PS5 itself in multiple international territories, citing inflation as the primary reason. Microsoft immediately responded by saying it had no plans to raise the price of the Xbox Series X and S consoles at the time. Of course, the statement was made before Spencer's comments to the Wall Street Journal and Microsoft declined to comment when IGN asked about the potential of a hardware price raise. As a reminder, the $70 tag only applies to current-gen titles. PS4 and Xbox 360, uh, sorry, and Xbox One games have and will remain 60, and former standard established during the PS3, Xbox 360 generation. It was gonna happen at any point that, uh, it was like as soon as, when 2K was the first one to, did that, to do this, back in 2021, they announced that 2K20 or 21, whatever 2K game was launching that year, was going to be $70. And then Sony, when they announced the release date of the PS5, they're like, and games are now start going to be $70. It's like, it was only going to be a matter of time. It was like, that's the rise of cost. That's where cost is these days. And Microsoft didn't do it initially because they had the money to eat that cost, to be able to earn the goodwill. But it was gonna cut up to them. Like to me, like this was inevitable after the thousand people layoff happened and a few months back. That's when even the, no matter their valuation, we know that they don't have enough money to have that many people employed. Also, and the the rise of cost means that things are just gonna go up in price. That's just how it is. Did I I was thinking a uh, later on down the line where it says uh, he said that there was no plans to raise a price for the Xbox Series and X and consoles. consoles. Did he clarify it was only the consoles or did he just say we're just not going to raise the price of things? Because I could have sworn back when that happened he had said no we're not going to raise the price of anything. They, he promised that they were not going to raise the price this holiday. That we we're going to go through this okay. entire holiday yeah. with the same price because he felt it was a nice little competitor and also they had nothing. Why would they raise the price when they literally had nothing? You bought an Xbox because it was on sale. Exactly. So in value proposition, it was like, keep it in value because there's nothing of real value yet, but the value is coming next year. And now that they're finally reaching the value with Starfield, Redfall, and Forza that they promise is com are coming all before June of, the of next year, they haven't solidified release dates. 
now is the time where they can finally now catch up to where the industry is. As much as it sucks, I'll say that. It's like, economy stuff, games being $70, hurt in the wallet. I'll say this, they have a Trojan horse. So if right now, Game Pass still remains the same price. So day and date. Right now, yeah. yeah. It's... And, and those games are going to be day and date there. All the day, that's the promise. Yeah, and it's easily the best decision if most of what you play is out that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're just going to continue doing your thing. You can just kind of keep your head down and keep trucking along. At yeah, that this just makes Game Pass more valuable right now. And I bet you that the $15 a month is going to be... They're going to raise it. It's like... They have to. They, they're, they're absolutely going to. Like, if this Disney Plus has done it, Netflix has done it, like, every streaming service has done it, it's like, because the rise of cost is like, if you want to make money, you don't want to be like a, a, a money loser all the time. So, it will still be a great deal getting all those games. Especially, like, I'll say this, like, putting it at $70, at $70 price tag requires you to, like, release actual quality games instead of just games that can be in the 70s or, like, mid. But it doesn't matter because you got it in a subscription service. If you're going to start charging in this price, now you got to, like, put in the quality effort because now you're pricing yourself to the high-quality PlayStation first-party release. And uh, Starfield would be one of those. I feel like content-wise... Is gonna justify its price. Quality-wise, we'll see. It's Bethesda, but uh, I wonder how long the bubble will last until one of those seventy-dollar games is an absolute dumpster fire. I think there's already Battlefield. I mean, there, there's been a few. Um, yeah, Battlefield, but it did take its licks on that. I don't know. I'm, I was thinking something more first-party. Um, yeah, like so one of those big Sony releases that's seventy bucks and it's just a trash experience for yeah, everybody. So far, at least quality-wise, Sony is at least from the first party. They're having a pretty good record with everything that they've launched so far. Yeah, uh, they dodged the bullet with one: Destruction All Stars. They initially charged that sucker at seventy dollars in the pre order in the and in then the. They put it onto uh, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. They what they did was that uh, they decided to make it a day one PS Plus thing, and then they lowered the price from seventy to twenty because they realized it's like there's no way you're gonna release this a game at that price. Bad game. So they uh, they uh, they dodged the bullet there, but they were willing. They were totally yeah. willing, but they they almost played the game of chicken and mm -hmm. that that almost. Cost and I bet you no one pre ordered. I think they did it because they saw literally no pre orders. So. Uh -huh. Final story, Paul, to end with a little bit of hilarity. Uh, yeah, let's, let's an update from our, the end of last week's. Juji Naka reportedly arrested again for another insider trading scheme. Uh, this is an update of the story we read last week. So, Balen Wonderlord and Sonic creator uh, director Juji Naka has been rearrested. Rearrested. So, apparently, they, they had released it after the previous one. On a second charge of insider training, this time involving the mobile battle royale title Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier. Last month, Nak and former Square Enix employee Taitsuki Sasaki were arrested on suspicion of buying shares in developer Aiming after learning in advance about the team's announcement of its mobile game, Dragon Quest Tact. Japanese outlet Asashi, thanks to Video Games Chronicle, now reports that Nak and Sasaki are believed to have tried a similar scheme for the reveal of Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier. Ashai knows that in February 2021, developer A-Team and Square Enix announced a partnership to develop the mobile Battle Royale title. Naka and Sasaki are said to have known the details of this deal before it became public and bought shares in A-Team in hopes of profiting of a higher stock price stemming from the first soldier's reveal. Naka is reported to have purchased 120,000 shares for approximately 144.7 million yen, roughly over 1 million. Sasaka is accused of buying 91,000 shares for approximately 105 million yen, 767,000, as well as passing this insider information to an acquaintance who also acquired shares. 
The investigation is ongoing, so it's unclear where things will go from here. But Square Enix previously stated it is fully cooperating with the Securities and Exchange Surveillance Commission and Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office. In October, Square Enix announced it was shutting down Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, on January 11th. Arrested over a game, they're even shutting down, man. It's like... He just keeps taking L's. Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, it is just The so L's that funny. keep being failing by the fan base that defend their creation. <laughs> you know, he really deserves it. If he's going to buy a million dollars abruptly in a random share and expect that to not raise some eyebrows, uh -huh. he deserves it for this. Like, oh, yeah. If you're gonna do that, at least don't buy that many shares. You mm -hmm. can live off like a couple thousand here and there, and nobody would have noticed. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it's just this guy. After all of this crap, like there was a Twitter video going around. It was like <laughs> Yuji Naka the second after he's released from prison, and it was like a moment of Sonic where he steps out of a building and there's a million cops around. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it's just. It's so funny how this guy stepped from one landmine straight into another about this. There's it's no way he's absolutely away. insane, like absolutely total insanity. That how do you get arrested twice over the same thing? How do you get released last time? Probably because he paid bail or something, yeah. so he was waiting for it, and then <laughs> steps outside like, "All right, we're gonna arrest you again, buddy. Can't keep getting away with it." Oh man! Oh I'm man! Sure I tell you, like, it's just anything related to Sonic is just a meme. I tell you, like, why do I, the picture that I sent you of Imran Khan having to like protect his tweets because he was getting harassed by some Sonic fans after he was questioning the validity of of them like spamming the fan vote for the Game Awards for like the best game of the year, and then someone was like telling them, "Was like, man, I'm I'm just as a Sonic fan, I just get abused. This is abuses all my life, and then he he slit his wrist." And showed him pictures of his slit wrist. It's like he's just, oh man! It's like it's there's a reason the Sonic fan base deserves like all the even as someone that I have mentioned many times, Sonic Frontiers legit good game. Them getting a good game this year, bad idea. They can't even take their wins. They just love getting else. So enough of the news, Paul. So uh, checking in on our Metacritic slash Open Critic uh, like records here, we're complete now. So, we added a Callisto Protocol, which we both had, and we also added Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, and I added Need for Speed Unbound. So, for Callisto Protocol, our number three and number four for most anticipated for this fall, 72 and 73 Metacritic and Open Critic, and we already talked about we, we, we feel those feel a little unfair. Yeah. For how good overall that game is. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, which it was interesting because we saw that they, they were saying that yeah, we're releasing codes for this week and the day after reviews were out so i was like i guess they had already sent codes before and now they're just sending another batch that has a 77 metacritic and an 80 and open critic pretty good for a remake of a psp game and i would consider that's probably about what i'd consider the original game anyway so it's like all right that's, yeah. that's right about there yeah and then for me like new for speed unbound got both a 77 but both uh, metacritic and open critic and i did try that briefly with the 10 hour uh, trial for um, ea play i'm absolutely gonna be all over it when it hits ea play fully like like in game pass ultimate because yeah. that feel like playing burnout in a way i haven't played burnout in a while criterion was back so i can't wait to try that one in one day yeah so we'll definitely say like if i look overall here uh 
So I had both God of I had God of War Ragnarok at number one. We both had a number one. That was our high high, high scoring game of the year. My number two was Plague Tale Requiem that came in at an 82 and an 84. Your number two was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that had a 78 and 76. I already mentioned Callisto Protocol, my number three, with the 72 and 73. You had Crisis Core as your number three with the 77 and 88. And then uh, I had Evil West as my number four. You had it as a number 10, lower there. And then you had as four Callisto Protocol. Then I added Pentiment as like my own game. And number and number six because I had crisis score at number five. You definitely scored lower. Like when I'm looking at the scores here, I feel like I clinched it with Pentiment. <laughs> Pentiment really saved you on that yeah. one. But then at the same time, your <laughs> and personal speed, views yeah. on Pentiment yeah. were probably far lower. <laughs> it, oh yes, yeah, because it was like I know what it is. This is just not for me. But maybe it is when I played it in XCloud. So yeah, I uh, I'm clearly a man of the '70s taste. I tell you this, else. let's just declare it this way, Paul. 70s can be good. Good. Absolutely. Good. It's like, we shouldn't, like, it, like, let's not make great the enemy of good. Mm -mm. Because then we're just I... going to barely play anything. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I would say all of these we had. I, Gotham Knights, we probably had more fun than a lot of these others that are rated way higher. So yeah. It's like. I will say with Plague Tale, yeah. it's like, it's crazy. Like, I barely play Plague Tale. Same. Yeah, it's like. I, I have think the that... opportunity to go back, and I'd rather go play other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to just for game of the year stuff, just to just to define if I if, if it could crack my top ten or be an honorable mention. I kind of wanted because I did like the first one, but yeah, I don't know that that for that initial part of Plague Tale, it was just like not grabbing me. So I hope Paul, it changes, but yeah, read me the game releases for December 11th to December 17th yes. as I go get, get a cookie real quick. Okay, have fun. So everybody, while I'm here and given 100% power and can do whatever I want, unfortunately, I love approval far too much to do all of that. So we're just going to go ahead and read these. First is Wavetail coming on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, pretty much everything on December 12th. Then the one we've been talking about, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, coming to literally everything that is currently being played on December 13th. Gris, the port on the PlayStation 5 to the Xbox Series X and S is on December 13th. That does exist currently on the last-gen consoles. High on Life, the Rick and Morty creators first-person shooter in the Alien Worlds on Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC, exclusively to those, and I believe coming to guests, uh, Game Pass on December 13th as well. A lot of these are December 13th, actually. Uh, then we have Neon White coming to PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4, which was previously, I think, a Switch and PC. Uh, yes. Okay, Switch yeah. Switch and PC. Um, that was previously exclusive on those coming to PlayStation 5 and 4 on December 13th. Lil Gator Game on Switch and PC December 14th. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S for free if you already own that game on yes. uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One coming out December 14th. Um, obviously also the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition coming to the same consoles on December 14th. And if you also own that one, that's the one version you'll there get. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, obviously that comes with all of the DLC items uh, and expansions. Then there's Akka Switch and PC 
December 15th. Looks like uh, Turning Red uh, just gives you an idea for that. Blacktail, I remember we saw this at one of the PlayStation. I think things. we did, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PC, December 15th. And then lastly, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard coming to Switch on December 16th. Cloud version. Yes. It's insane seeing so many games here right now that I really want to play in the middle of December. Crisis Core, we're absolutely doing it. I'm doing the review for Season Game if I'm, if I'm able to finish it in a reasonable time. Uh, Higher Life is Game Pass. I want to see that crowd, that cringy humor for a little bit. And what about Witcher 3? I tell you, like, I've been seeing that the preview coverage for the next version of Witcher 3 came out this yeah. week. God, it looks so good. They added so much good stuff. They added mods into the game for textures give it textures and uh adding a ton of quality of life features so you got a work camera also the over the shoulder they added it oh that's actually that's really awesome mm -hmm. um so yeah that they had the um like walking speeds they have stuff for roach to like be able to back up if you're stuck instead of having to turn around and then glitching out there's like a ton of things that they added i read a article about it mm -hmm. and i just can't remember where it was for the life of me but yeah they kind of went into a lot of those details and so it's not just like a remaster an up res it's like they put in some freaking effort mm -hmm. and i'm so happy for so many people who can't feel like they can go back to like what is that 2015 2015 a seven year old yeah. game yeah. um and it's it does show its age on some of those moments so i'm really glad that they're really bringing it into today's day and age on uh current gen so yeah um as far as where you can find me you can find me at twitter at dork of art it's really all i do the most of i break video games and i draw stuff alondra where can they find you they can find me at a underscore drosegobia on twitter they can fi find me at asegobia on hive they can find me at alondra segobia 93 on instagram and they can find some of our streams at the slayer giant um or twitch.tv slash the slayer giant and I divide my writing between my personal writing uh, stuff at thecriticalcorner.com and some reviews that I'll be writing still to, to seasongaming.com. So, Paul, you are going out in a few days, right? Like for like a, I am. A, I'm a, literally a, flying a, out of here on Friday. And you come back on the 12th, right? Yes. So yeah. I'm going to miss uh, pretty much all of the Game Awards stuff, but I'll at least read up on it. But when do you leave? Because the Game Awards is Thursday. It's technically Thursday, um, so I'll be here for it, but I'm going to be packing slash getting everything prepared for mm -hmm. it, so it wouldn't be something I could sit down and watch like the six hours that it's going to be. It's, it's going to be 2.5 hours this time. Yeah. They're, they're making it slightly shorter, but I hope it's less... Uh, spammy with the ads especially later on like last because remember last year so that one dude that was like we got an after party going on come on see us streaming it and yeah like, what are you talking yeah i'm about? hopeful because it's like i just hope that keely understood that last year's game awards was like it was weirdly uh in from an announcement standpoint it had some really great announcements but the way he structured that show with the onslaught of ads killed it like and made it one of the worst shows despite the quality of its announcements I hope he keeps a high level of quality for announcements because we're finally at the point of the generation where we could get probably cooler announcements now. We are like two, three years in. But I hope he chills out a bit on the ads. So, but I'll definitely watch it. It's like, to me, it's like an E3. I'll uh, try to like, like... I'll I'll follow along with it or maybe mm -hmm. put it on in the background while I work on something and at least we can chat about it. So that Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to do that. I like, put a game and maybe have my laptop next to me 
just to yeah. kind of keep it hearing. So, but we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to hear. I want to see what is the game that's going to be this the first domino about who wins game of the year. I tell you, I think Elden Ring is going to win it. If God of War Ragnarok wins it, I tell you. I'll be personally pleased. It's okay. rare for like yeah. two two games of the same of the same uh, series to win Game of the Year in the Game Awards based on like previous uh, kind of like based on previous uh, standards. Yeah. But I just can't wait because I would love to see the discourse on Twitter be oh, like so be so salty about like Elden Ring potentially not winning. But I know it, I feel like it can't win because similar to High on Life. I mean, not not High on Life like. It takes two last year. When I saw oh, yeah. like the critics that I know both for the game award mentioned that a lot, and I was like, I feel that's that's the one that's gonna take it to Real quick, PJ's been... consternation. Oh yeah. Um, have you been following along with the discourse involving the player's choice of that? The Genshin, yeah, yeah, between Genshin Impact, Genshin Impact and, and Sonic. Sonic. No, that's kind of what that's that's the whole Imran Khan tweet happened because oh, he commented on that, and then the Sonic fanbase came at him, just... and the dude slit his wrists. So I, I okay, so I didn't realize that was the source of it. Yeah. I thought he was just kind of talking about it. In it's insane. That is like using that that they managed to like rally the troops and get those games in for player mode. They, they really jumped that gun and it's so funny how everyone's like they're fighting for the death out here over like a silly trophy that nobody cares about anyway yeah. it's like not even actually get game of the year it's, it's player's choice mm -hmm. oh yeah it's 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 so fun it's so fun i can't wait for tomorrow until i can't wait and i can't wait to like platinum callisto protocol and play more midnight suns and hopefully play more destiny they gotta fix my internet that I have a problem with my internet that it gets incompatible with the PlayStation Network and they have to like oh, reshift my IP a couple times. Like I've been like screaming at them in the form often because it's like Russian roulette trying to play it. So that's helped a lot in me stopping playing Destiny because it was like Russian roulette. So that sounds terrible. All right, Paul, enough of that. I gotta go eat because I was literally almost passing out. That's why I went to get a cookie. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's get out of here. Yeah. Everyone stay safe, like enjoy the rest of this December. We'll see you next week for the final episode of this year for the X button. And until then, stay self stay safe, stay healthy, play some games and remember press X to play. Good night everybody. Hasta luego.